0: In today's show, it's Charlotte Hornets time. A fantasy preview, Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore b and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet BetOnline. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline is where the game starts. We're here to talk Charlotte Hornets. Charlotte Hornets. We've done Nets. We've done Celtics. We've done Hawks. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. (laughs) (laughs) Quick mention, if you don't know, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl is on. Categories and points leagues. We're going to get 720 teams in. 360 for categories, 360 for points. All of the rules will be linked in a document down below for a points league. The scoring is... um, Standard Yahoo scoring. Sorry, just completely blank there. These are twenty-five dollar entry leagues um, with a big grand total winner of four thousand five hundred dollars to the uh, to the winner of uh, both individual ones, the category, and the points league. Um, which We're recruiting people, and later in this show, you will get information on how you enter for the Charlotte Hornets division for both category and points. What you need to do is you need to send an email to that address: l o f b Bowl, B-O-W-L, at gmail.com. That's where you send it. In the subject line, write Hornets categories or Hornets points, or you can write Hornets cats if you want, to say whether you want to be in the category league or in the points league. And then later on in the show, I'll tell you a specific question that I want answered in the subject. People are throwing so many different things in their applications. We've filled up the Atlanta Hawks divisions. We've filled up the Boston Celtics divisions. I've sent those emails out. So if you haven't got one for those divisions, then unfortunately you missed those ones. Um, Don't take it as a personal affront. There's just so many that are coming in. I still haven't done the Nets ones yet. So the Brooklyn Nets um, invites still haven't gone out. So be be on the lookout for that. And uh, the Hornets one is coming next. You will get a question later on for you to answer to be a part of that. But remember, Hornets, Cats in the subject line. Hornets, Points, if you want Points League, in the subject line. And then we will talk more about what we need to get into um, or what question you actually need to answer to get into the Charlotte Hornets division of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. So let's look at how the Hornets break down for this coming season. What's their schedule look like? Low quality game number, 47. It's not many. Average is 51. So that means your Hornets players are going to be playing on the higher volume days. So your back-end Hornets guys, your flyer types, your waiver wire type players, they are going to be less useful than they are for some teams who might play 60 quality games. It's not something that you need to take huge amounts of um, attention or devote huge amounts of attention to in a draft setting but it's something just to have in the back of your mind. They also play a league low, or not league low, sorry, close to a league low, 12 back-to-backs. That's below average. There's no one on this team outside of Gordon Haywood who you think that's a risk for, but I don't think coming into the season that Haywood's going to routinely sit back-to-backs. In general, there's only going to be a few of those guys this year, I think, but it's just if someone gets hurt, does the back-to-backs impact them? But as I've mentioned before, there's like a, like the most back-to-backs is 15. I think the fewest is 11. It's not a huge, huge difference. It's four games or four back-to-backs difference over the course of a season. It's not a huge amount. The thing with the Hornets schedule is the playoff schedule's rough. If you finish your playoffs on March 19th, which I will say it again, I've said it a lot of times, I will say it every one of these shows, I recommend you finish a head-to-head season on March the 19th. That is when your playoffs should end, March the 19th. Doesn't matter what week number it is, the date is March the 19th. If you finish then, The Hornets played 10 games in that three-week playoff schedule. A 4-4-2 schedule. And that two in grand final week is rough. There are quite a few teams that have two-game weeks through fantasy playoffs, which is never a great thing, is it? We never want two-game weeks. Um, There are quite a few teams who do have these uh, two-game weeks throughout the playoffs, though. So in the past, we've just rarely had those. There are a lot this year for some reason. The March 26th playoffs... If you finish on March 26th, they've also got 10 games. It's a 4-2-4 schedule, so at least it's 4 in Championship Week, but there's 2 in Semi-Final Week. And then if you play until the April the 2nd, which is default Yahoo Playoffs, they have 9 games. 2, 4, and 3. 3 in Championship Week, 2 in the first week. Overall, it's just a pretty rough fantasy schedule for Hornets players. So we look at, we like the value of LaMelo Ball. We like the value of Terry Rogier. We like the value of where you're drafting Gordon Haywood, for example. But it's not an ideal playoff situation. Now, I am not making many decisions, if any decisions, in a fantasy draft based on fantasy playoffs. Because so much stuff can change and happen and whatever. But it's it can be used, I guess, as a tiebreaker. When we're looking at, do I pick this guy or do I pick this guy? It can be used as a tiebreaker and... The tiebreaker for the Hornets, it's not particularly strong with some bad um, playoff schedules there. We'll get into talking about the Hornets more in a second. Before we do that, BetOnline remains the number one spot for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Week two of the NFL, week three of college football is upon us, and all of those odds and lines are present over at BetOnline. And Let's randomly have a look. The Jacksonville Jaguars, my man Trevor Lawrence, they're three and a half point underdogs against the Colts this week. Can the last time these two teams met, the Colts choked away a playoff spot by losing to the Jags? Will they do it again? I don't know, but you can find out all of those odds over at Bet Online. It's your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. It's the fastest and easiest way, also, to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action. Bet Online. Is where the game starts. Better line is also teaming up with Locked On NBA to um, put the top fifty players in the NBA. They've got a list. It's happening. September nineteenth. Which NBA player moves the betting line the most? They've got together, they've figured it out. The top fifty most valuable players in the NBA. You can find it on Locked On NBA, wherever you get your podcasts, and on YouTube. All right. What impacts the projections this season? Number one is Miles Bridges. Now there'll be a lot of podcasts and shows that'll be like, "Oh, Miles Bridges, don't want to really talk about that, don't want to really touch that." Um, I'll, I'll touch it, right? I'll talk about. it. I got no problem. What he is accused of is disgusting, and if it's if he's guilty, and it, it, you, I can't be a hundred percent sure on this. I'm sitting here without the you know the facts of the evidence. It looks pretty unlikely that he's innocent, to be honest. Like it, it looks pretty unlikely, and if he is guilty. Uh, he should be in jail, really. Like that, that's, that's just the simple fact of it. If he's guilty of doing what he did or what he's alleged to have done through the, you know, we see the photos, we saw the video recording of the son witnessing this stuff. Um, he should be in jail. Simple as that. What, what it impacts for fantasy? It doesn't, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it means nothing, fantasy, right? For the health and safety of his family. Um, but we've got to talk about it. At this point, Miles Bridges plays for... Nobody. He's not under contract. That could very easily change even when you're listening to this. I've got no idea when you listen to this. But he currently is not under contract. He is not on the Hornets. He is a restricted free agent. He has not signed a qualifying offer. It's been tendered to him. And there was reports the Hornets had pulled that qualifying offer. They have not. But he is not under contract. So... Uh, I guess the Hornets are waiting for more clarification. I don't know when that clarification is coming. We might get something at media day through training camp. But my expectation is that Miles Bridges does not play this season. Either through him not being signed, not under contract, him being in jail or being suspended. Now, I know in the past, the NBA has been pretty lenient with some suspensions. Um but if he i just don't see how he plays this season i don't have any problem if you are in a draft and you take miles bridges with one of your last two picks and you're drafting now and we hope we get clarification by opening night I'm not here to tell you you shouldn't do it for moral reasons whatever all right you choose to do that however you want i've got no problem with doing that personally but if he's, you know, I also think that that's one of the shittest bloke moves that Miles Bridges, what he did is it's just disgusting. It's terrible. Um, Do I want to, you know, could that still win me value on fantasy? Well, that's that's an individual question, isn't it? I personally don't think I would do it. I don't know. I just, I've got like, you know, I'm not a massive ship bloke fan, as you're well aware. I rail against people for getting ship blokeness. Lance Stevenson, Derek Rose, the things they've done in the past. Kendrick Nunn was charged with domestic violence as well. But in the end, fantasy ends up being a game in how you approach it. Do you Are you doing it to win? Are you doing it for enjoyment? And that's your decision to make. The other impact that Miles Bridges has is what it changes on the Hornets roster in terms of rotations. If he's there, he if he plays, he probably has for third round value, maybe second round. If he's not, well, it's a gaping hole. Giggity. I imagine that P.J. Washington Jr. just starts in place of Miles Bridges. And all of my projections have no Bridges there for the season. He's just not there. So Washington starts. Haywood's at the three. But if Bridges plays, then maybe Bridges is at the three. Maybe Haywood comes off the bench. Washington's at the four. Regardless, Haywood, Washington, then Cody Martin... And Jalen McDaniels and Kelly Oubre, they all get squeezed. They all get squeezed. If Bridges is gone, then they all get bumps. Including Rozier and LaMelo Ball. They all get bumps if Bridges is gone. So it's still a question. It's not as much of a question as some other teams' rotations. Because again, the, uh, there's got to be like a 2% chance that Miles Bridges is their opening night. It's got to be. It's got to be so low. But it's possible. And that could screw everything up. The other thing is they have a new coach. You wish they had a new front office or maybe even a new owner. Sorry, Michael. But things are a disaster there. They had Kenny Atkinson signed or close to signed, agreed to sign. And then they basically said, sorry, you can't pick your assistant coaches. And he went, ah, I'll see you later. Is this a serious organization or not? And I think the answer was No. That's the impression they give. Like even just the hiring of Mitch Kupchak to be the general manager didn't scream serious a couple of years ago. They make a lot of question moves. The draft was horrendous last year. It was pretty horrendous this year as well. Had so many more opportunities to do better things. They've not made a single free agency move. I guess the Bridges thing is holding things up. And now they bring back Steve Clifford, who is a totally fine NBA coach. It just offers absolutely no foresight, no vision, nothing. The problem I have fantasy-wise for Clifford is that it's going to slow things down. He's going to bring that pace down, which is one of the highest in the NBA. He historically has been a really slow-paced coach. Now Lamello Ball's a really fast player, a fast transition guy. So you hope that bridges the gap somewhat. But I don't, don't, don't think they'll play as fast. And Clifford historically has hated rookies, hated playing them, doesn't trust them, and tries to prefer defensive players. So while initially we go, oh, that do not their center position is a disaster. Maybe Mark Williams gets in there. With Steve Clifford, I go, there's almost no way that Mark Williams is going to be an opening eye starter. Maybe he surprises me. There's almost no way that Ubre is playing 30-plus minutes because defensively, he's really bad. And you could see a guy like Cody Martin being easily preferred over Ubre because of what Steve Clifford values. I don't think there'll be too many issues with LaMelo Ball. There were issues with LaMelo Ball on James Brago last season. So it's not like Ball's coming for a place where he's playing 36 minutes a night and had freedom to do everything because he didn't. He played like 32. And I don't really think it gets worse under Clifford. But the worry you have is maybe the upside of an Oubre, the value of a Mark Williams. I can see them starting Mason Plumley opening night because of Steve Clifford. The other thing that impacts the projections is Gordon Hayward. Like the dude's never, never healthy ever since he broke his leg. There's persistent lower body injuries, which you understand why that would be the case. He had a significant, I think, grade three ankle sprain last season, which is like a month-long injury. It also involves some bone chip issues. He is older. He probably should be traded. It was a bad contract when it was signed. It looks worse now. He is 32. If he is hurt and he misses time again, then you're know, Cody Martin, McDaniels, Ubre. all these guys get big boosts. But if he's healthy... He could be a top 60 player. It's legitimately possible. We've seen him be a top 20 player. He's never going to be that again. But we've seen it before. He's a, he's a he's still a really good player. And without Bridges there, he's got a chance to really up his usage this season. That is, if he stays healthy, which of course is a gigantic if. Who's a breakout candidate? Now, I don't really ever know how to frame the term breakout candidate better. But I was listening to a Real GM podcast with Danny LaRue. I don't remember who he had, the guess where he had on, so I apologize for that. But he, he said, you know, he's talking breakout player. I'm going to steal his definition here. He says, like, it's just a player that we, not necessarily one who goes from out of the rotation to starting or from good to all-star, but someone that we start talking about more, who enters our collective consciousness more, who plays a bigger role and becomes a more important player. And I think that's a good way of looking at it. We're going to talk fantasy sleepers later. We're going to talk last round flyers later. But breakout guys, guys that we could start to talk about more. Players that go, oh, this guy is now getting attention. And the two guys I have on this team are Jalen McDaniels, who I really like. I really think there's upside in him. And I said this on a show a while ago, a little bit hot takey. But there is absolutely more, more than a 0% chance that Jalen has a better fantasy season than Jaden McDaniels. I think he's quite a better scorer. And with Bridges gone, if Haywood gets hurt, if Oubre's defense isn't up to snuff, Jaden in Minnesota is in a situation where I don't know if he's ever going to touch the ball. Jalen, he might touch the ball. He's interesting. It's just, it's a name to watch. And I also think heading into year four, PJ Washington Jr. with no Bridges, he should start. He should play more minutes. He won't get as many minutes at center because this roster's gone from having no good centers to having... Still no good centers, but like five mediocre ones. So there's just not that many minutes at center, but he'll play a lot more at power forward. Hopefully he gets more consistent with his shooting and his rebounding, but the opportunity is there. Minutes, usage, we love those two things. Get more minutes, get more usage. You get into the collective consciousness more. Like PJ Washington, you can get pretty late. We'll talk about him later on. Yeah, top 60 season for him, it's not outrageous. It's not likely. It's not, it's not outrageous, I don't think. So let's, let's look at sleepers. There's quite a few for the Hornets, and this happens often. You get teams where there are just a lot of people undervalued, and you get teams where there are players overvalued. And in general, as a general rule, the teams that nobody cares about, the teams that are in small markets, they have nothing exciting going on, and honestly, this team might be, outside of the mellow ball, the most boring and team in the NBA this season. Sorry, Hornets fans. It's just... Outside of LaMelo, like they had a terrible off season. Their coach is uninspiring, their GM's uninspiring, their owner makes bad decisions, there's the bridges stuff. Um, they're boring as shit. But it leads to guys being undervalued. Terry Rogier is at fifty nine on Yahoo. It's too low, man. He was forty sixth last season. No reason he shouldn't be at least in that fourth round, if not a third round type of player. He's had two solid seasons of being an elite level shooter. Or at least a very, very good shooter. Prior to that, where he struggled, now, maybe that drops back off. It is possible. He should see a little bit more usage. His minutes should be pretty stable. He gets to the line, hits his free throws. 40, 59 is too low. His ADP is fifty on on Fantrax. It's fifty five on ESPN, which is all okay. Like there is still value in that. This is a early early fourth probably late third round sort of player. If it floats your boat that someone doesn't get turnovers at SKU's rankings, remember, um, then he's uh, he gets ranked higher. So just maybe don't go too high hard on him, don't go too early on him. But even in points leagues, he was 52nd last season, 35 fantasy points. I think that jumps up. I think Gordon Haywood's ranked too low or, or getting drafted too low. 108 Yahoo, 103 fan tracks, 112 ESPN. I get there is an injury risk. Haywood is going out to the top 100 in every draft I do, basically. And this is, on a per-game basis, he yeah, top 85 minimum, I would guess, for category leagues. For points leagues, probably, again, top 85 minimum. With top 60, top 50 upside. There is a huge injury risk there associated with him, but he's not injured now. There are players going into the season injured. Chris Middleton, Jaron Jackson, um, Alonzo Ball. They're going into the season injured. Heywood's a guy you can get late and get in round 10, round 9, round 10, that I really like getting. And small forward's a really weird and weak position in fantasy. You can get him just to fill that small forward spot, get him in round 10, maybe get 50 spots of extra value, and then he gets hurt and you drop him. And you go, thanks, thanks for that, but I'll see you later. PJ Washington, 106, his ADP is on Yahoo. It's 93 on Fantrax, which is more in line. It's 134 on ESPN. This is a top 100 player. This is a round eight sort of player. Maybe round seven. As I said, he could get to top 60. Like I've got him projected at 13 and six with a couple of threes a steal, and a block. 16 and seven? 16 and seven upside with 1.5 blocks. 16 and seven with 1.5 blocks is top 60 very easily. And that's not actually hard to get when he's playing more minutes, a little bit more usage, if the shot starts to fall at a higher rate, because he's relatively inefficient. that's 134 is insane. Okay, absolutely insane. 106 is too low on Yahoo as well. Jalen McDaniels. Now, I'm probably not drafting Jalen in most 12-team formats. But at 282 on Yahoo or 278 on ESPN, that's saying don't draft him in 20-team leagues, which is wrong. He's, more of a, like he's a very strong 16-team league player. Probably a 14-team league option. And someone also that I would consider, spoiler alert for later in the show, as a late round guy. 12, uh, third, round 13, round 14, if you go to 14 rounds, take a flyer and see what happens. As much as I don't think James Booknight is good, I think he's going to play. And he's ranked at 431 on Yahoo. And that is the cue for your question to enter the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Bowl. So in the subject line, put Hornets Cats or Hornets Points, if you want Category League or Points League. And the answer to the question, the question is going to be, what is James Booknight's rank on Yahoo? And the answer is 431. Someone sent me a photo of their dog in their application. They got in. Doesn't mean you have to send a photo of a dog. They send me jokes, They send me stories. Someone told me, hey, I I grew up around where you live. All right, cool, whatever. Does that get them in? Maybe. Hey, I support the Bulldogs. <laughs> Does that get you in? Maybe. Sometimes. Put in stories. But the, ant- the thing you got to have in there is what is James Booknight's Yahoo rank? And it's 431 at the time of recording. So that's how you get in. Now, again, I don't think Booknight's good. But in a 30-team league, a 20-team league, I'd take a fly. Because I think, I think this season he's going to play. I think he's going to play poorly. But I do think he's going to play. Because this team is underrated, there's a lot of this, a lot of interesting sleeper options here. And there's not really any busts. Except, for some reason, on fan tracks, JT Thor has an ADP of 40. Now, that is obviously some sort of error. There's something that is completely screwed up with some of their ADPs. There's just random players slotted in highly. And Thor is one of them. Just so you're aware, do not pick JT Thor at pick 40. We know each other. He's a friend from work. You don't do it. Now, in terms of options that you can take in the last round of a fantasy draft, there's a few guys here because, again, there's uncertainty. Cody Martin or Jalen McDaniels. If Haywood is hurt, there's value there. With Bridges gone, they might play 30 minutes. And they're in that 150, 160 range. Good push to, the, to 100. 95. I'd probably prefer McDaniels over Martin. But I'd prefer the, the other two guys here over both of them. And one of those is Kelly Oubre Jr., who I don't project particularly highly. Because I think I'm, I'm worried about his um, minutes because of his defensive issues. He can be a scorer, but he's very up and down with his shooting. He improved quite a bit last season shooting, but two years ago he was terrible in Golden State. He doesn't really get much in terms of assists. He's one of the worst assist players in the league. He's not a high rebounder. He doesn't really get many steals or blocks. He's quite a bad free throw shooter as well. He can be a guy that wows you with some scoring and three-point shooting. And in points, league, that probably gives him a little bit more value. I would consider Oubre as a last-round guy. In a lot of situations, he will go earlier than that, though. He's ranked 132 on Yahoo. So if he's there, I, all right, fine. In the last round, I, I take a crack at him. I'm not massively high on him. I don't think there's a top 100 season incoming for Kelly Ubre. I also think there's a big opportunity for Mark Williams. Oh, hi, Mark. But Steve Clifford's coaching. So Mark Williams, if we looked at a team and go, well, this is a team that needs a center. They got a center. They chose the wrong one. Considering they had Jalen Duran and decided to trade him for four future second round picks. Cool. Um, that's not true. I think there was also maybe a first round pick in there that can't be any higher than like 24 or something like that. It was. It was not a good trade, whatever. Mark Williams is their guy now. I don't think he's going to start. In fact, if Clifford opens the season with Plumlee as the starter and Nick Richards is the backup, don't be surprised. Or JT Thor or Kai Jones because he hates rookies. But the upside of Williams is much higher than any of those guys. So if you're lacking in blocks or lacking in big man numbers and we don't know what's going to happen with Clifford and Mark Williams, you take him with that last pick because 65% shooting, seven rebounds, two blocks, nine points in 25 minutes is distinctly possible. The biggest question mark there is 25 minutes. But if something happens and Clifford's had an epiphany and just goes, man, this is actually Mason Plumlee and and he's actually bad. We we figured that out. Um, I'll try Marky Williams. I don't think it happens. But if it does, then value is clearly there. So let's look at the rest of the roster before we get out of here. Because I haven't talked about LaMelo Ball. He'll start alongside Rogier, Haywood, Washington, and Plumlee, I think. Lamelo. I talked about it on a show earlier this week about first-round picks. To me, he's a first-round pick pretty clearly in pretty much every format. He will or should theoretically improve over last season. I had him eighth in head-to-head leagues. I got him ninth in Roto leagues. I had him 10th in points leagues. So back-end first-round player. He's got getting drafted around that same zone. He was 16th on a per-game basis last season. Played 32 minutes. I think that improves. I think he plays more minutes. He shot the ball really well from three and from the free throw line. He gets steals. He gets assists. He gets rebounds. He scores. He's really good. I don't know what more I need to talk about with him. He's really good. Rogier, we spoke about already. As a player, you can pick third to fourth round. So the 35 to 45 range, I think, is probably right for him. Probably a little bit better in a category league versus a points league. Haywood, outside the top 100. We love that pick. Washington, in the 80s, if you want to go. This is what I've noticed, and I'm going to do a whole show on this. Assists and points go off the board really early in fantasy drafts. Some blocks do too. It can be hard to find blocks, as I talked about on a show, and I don't remember who it was with. We discussed, oh, Matt Smith. We talked about the Senators, We talked about blocks. But what I tell you what happens when you get to about round nine, you cannot find a rebounder. After that, maybe it's round 10. Rebounds are really abundant, really abundant, and then they're gone. And you cannot find rebounders. You're stuck with, ooh, JaVale McGee. like Rebounding players, getting boosting your rebounds becomes impossible in the late rounds. There's just no one around. Also, why double-doubles is a terrible category. You cannot find double-doubles off a waiver wire. You, you, there's just a certain group of guys that do it. Rebounds are gone. They're abundant, they're abundant, they're abundant, and then they're gone. They just disappear by round 11. If you are went until round 11 to grab some big men to get some boards, forget it. It's not happening. PJ Washington's not the greatest rebounder, but at least he's a big man-ish, big-ish man playing a big man position who should get more minutes, and he's interesting. Plumlee, uh, yeah, talk about rebounds, he can get them. I, I don't really care for it. He's one of the worst free throw shooters in the NBA. He did start shooting with his opposite hand in the second half of the year, and that did improve his free throw shooting. Somewhat. I wouldn't trust it. I wouldn't... Um, I don't feel like he's going to play a ton of minutes. But I think he's going to be a streamable player if Clifford really leans into him. I'd leave him on the wire for now. Talked about Martin and McDaniels. They're just like last-round flyer types. Yeah, McDaniels probably has higher upside than Martin. And then Oubre's got higher upside again. But I do worry about... you know, If I'm Steve Clifford and I'm not, but I'm looking, I'll go... I know that Martin's gonna defend well and Ubre's gonna defend poorly and not pass. And I don't you know when you're weighing those two guys together, which way is Clifford gonna lean? That's my worry with Ubre. You got Williams we just spoke about. Booknight, Knight, who I think is actually really bad, but they don't they have no guards on this team. Their guards are Rogier and Ball and like that is it. Look, That is it. They signed a bunch of guys to camp deals. Jalen Crutcher, Anthony DeRougie, I think it's pronounced. Isaiah Whaley and Jalen Sims. Crutcher and Sims are both guards, but don't expect them to do anything. Their guards are Ball, Rogier, and Booknight. Oubre is more of a... I guess you could call him a shooting guard. He's more of a three. Cody Martin's more of a three, so maybe a little bit of shooting guard in there. But that's it. That's it. There's no guards. There's no point guards. There's one point guard on this team. One. And that's some other ball. One. Booknight's not a point guard. Rozier's not a point guard. They're going to have to pretend they're point guards though. Because of the way this roster has been horrendously constructed. I think JT Thor is a better option than Nick Richards. I think he's a better option than Kai Jones. Doesn't mean he's going to do much. Jones, just one of the worst draft picks last season. The only worst player in the top 20 was James Booknight. Jones just doesn't seem like he knows what to do. And there are so many other center options. There is a possibility he blows up out of nowhere and gets minutes at the backup four, gets minutes at the five ahead of Mark Williams. I think that's highly unlikely. But he's got athleticism. There's some shot blocking. He showed a willingness to shoot threes at Summer League. They didn't go in, like, at all. But he showed a willingness to shoot, and sometimes that's important. He's at least... I'd be watching Kai Jones more than Nick Richards, but I don't think he's very good. And then Bryce McGowan, who they drafted in the second round this season. I thought that was a good draft pick. He's on a two-way... He's a guard. Maybe just because they have literally no guards, McGowans has to play a little bit. I don't think he's going to be really ready to do anything this season, but the dearth of guard-sized players or ball handlers is screaming out that maybe there's an opportunity. But if there's one thing that Steve Clifford hates, it's rookies. And I don't imagine he's going to love uh, two-way contract rookies that much either. And that's what McGowans is. So that will do it for me today. Don't forget... To follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on Odyssey, if you're on YouTube, thumb it up and leave those juicy comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.